Hello, everyone. I'm Jacob Chastain, host of the Teach Me Teacher podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with Brittany Riddick. She's a public educator for 16 years, currently serving her community as an assistant principal at an elementary school in Georgia. And now she is the author of The Writ 212, a faith-based sci-fi tale that takes a look at what happens when technology use is out of control. We also discuss tech use in our world today, Brittany's 212 movement, and how she writes and developed her story. So much to learn. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Brittany Riddick is the author of The Writ 212. She currently is an assistant principal at Shiloh Elementary School in Snellville, Georgia, and has been in the field of education for over 16 years. When asked what has inspired her book, The Writ 212, she said, being an educator for as long as I have has allowed me to see changes and shifts in students' behaviors. One of the biggest shifts is how much technology has impacted not only the field of education, but the actual student. It has become more obvious to me that students are growing more addicted to devices. They even appear to have withdrawal symptoms when forced to do work that does not require a device. It is important as educators that we do not substitute authentic teaching and relationships for technology. We must have a balance. We have to get our parents to understand the importance of building relationships and not placing children in front of a screen. Technology is amazing, but I fear that our abuse of technology is having an adverse effect on our relationships with people, especially our children. The Writ 212 is a faith-based science fiction book. It shows how the creation of an app leads to the end of the world by killing off a group called the YSW, Youth of the Second World. Jaw, the creator, uses the app to destroy the YSW, only saving two groups of people. The elders, older people who don't have much use for technology, which, by the way, I love, I love that description. <laughs> and, and the unexposed or infants who have never seen technology. Jaw uses these two groups of individuals to begin the third world, the new age. But when a villager of the third world finds a working device from the second world, he unlocks secrets that cause a rift in what was once a peaceful community. The villagers of Irony soon feel torn between their faith, faithfulness to Jaw or knowing the secrets of the second world. Brittany, thanks for joining me today. So glad Thank you're here. You. Say, say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone. I am excited to be on today. Thank you so much for listening. Well, Brittany, before we talk about your book, The Writ 212, let's talk a little about you as an educator. What do you like about working with kids? I love children. Um, they make my job interesting every single day. I have never worked in any school where I could ever say I was bored. Um, they are, and then I've worked all grade levels from kindergarten all the way through middle school. And I, I love them all for different reasons. Um, but it's just so great to see their innocence. Um, I think in the elementary school level, the creativity that they have, um, I love reading their little writing because I think they spell better than everyone else. If you ever read a first or second graders writing, it's spelled exactly how it sounds yes. and they are right. That's how it's, I believe it with my whole heart. Um, but they're just amazing to be around. 
That's awesome. I love that. That's uh, and you hear your energy and passion for for them as well. That's cool. The uh, yeah. So let's let's shift to uh, talking a little bit about writing. You know, in developing your story, I ha- always have to ask writers this because this is something I'm really curious about. Do you write an outline, or do you start with an idea and see where it takes you? So this, the writ is actually part of a trilogy. So it began with the writing of an idea and just kind of seeing where it took me. But I had an idea of the big chunks. Like I kind of knew the beginning, the middle and the end. And um, it was a culmination of a lot of journal entries because I kind of do a lot of journaling at night. And uh, I realized that certain things would just bother me. Like when I would see um, parents, you know, come in and put phones in front of their kids or, you know, I sometimes I'll look at the car next to me and I can see kids in the car seat in the back with the parents looking at their cell phone in the front or just the dinners that people are at, you know, with their families and they're not really speaking to each other. Everyone's kind of scrolling through a cell phone. So those kinds of things would bother me and I would write them down. And, I, and then over time, all of these new images started coming to my mind. And so at night, there were lots of sleepless nights where I would just wake up and I had this idea and I would just write it down. Um, Because I knew something was telling me, okay, this is going to be something. So just write it down. Um, And once those ideas got written down in all of these miscellaneous journals, I said, oh God, I can't keep up with all of this. So I actually took all of the thoughts that I had kind of surrounding technology and typed them up. And I think that ended up being my outline. It was about 20,000 words. I didn't have characters. I had a lot of ideas about um, a storyline, but I didn't have characters. And then I started wrapping that with characters. Um, But for some of the other books that are coming as part of this trilogy, um, because the way I'm writing this, I'm releasing the, the book in the middle first. The other ones were more outlined, so that way the pieces connect a little bit better. Um, so that way, when the reader gets the prequel and the sequel to the writ, th- they can see the connections. And I wanted to make sure I remembered those things as I uh, started working on these other books. Very cool. Thanks for explaining that. And that, and that also is cool that this, the middle book comes out first and then the yeah. the prequel and the sequel. And I like that. I think that is <laughs> that's really awesome because it's like... Yeah. Uh, I don't know why my mind did it like that, but I said if I were, if this was the you know, if the first book is kind of the part of the middle, then when I go backtrack, people can go almost like a whole book of flashbacks, like, you know, and then of course, the way I wrote this book, there is an ending where you, you're going to want to know what comes next. uh, Because, you know, this person is revealed that we were waiting for the entire book and he gets revealed at the end. So you want to know what happens with that character. So once that kind of came into mind that's how i designed the, the trilogy to very cool well i love it because it it throws you in the middle of of the action and all that stuff and it's not like you you can't figure out it's not like you have wide open gaps or something like that that nobody knows but it's and uh but it, it's cool knowing that that's that's where it is so you get yeah. uh, uh, the all your questions then will be answered in the in the next book as well as then where we're going from there so exactly exactly yeah i like that so so let's let's shift to that talking about technology here for a little bit, you know, on, on your website, you say as amazing as technology is, I fear that our abuse of technology is having an adverse effect on our relationships with people. Can you explain what you mean? Well, um, I think uh, there are just so many things that I see that children are not 
doing well with now because of how much technology has taken away pure authentic social interactions. Um, there is this substitute for relationships through devices and, and unfortunately um, I don't believe children are developmentally uh, prepared to kind of handle some of the, the responsibility that comes with technology, but also some of the uh, side effects of what we're seeing now. Um, as an administrator, I am dealing with a lot of kids who are coming into my office feeling, you know, bullied and feeling devalued and feeling very hurt because of what's going on uh, through social media and all of those other outlets. Um, I'm having children be exposed to all kinds of stuff, sexual pornography, violence, uh, profanity, all of those with the click of a button. Um, and so it's just uh, one of those things where I think they're having to grow up a lot faster and they're being exposed to a lot more at a much younger age. And it's very difficult for them to navigate through a lot of that because they're not developmentally prepared to handle some of the stuff that they're being exposed to. That's, that's awesome. And I mean, it's so right on the money with what I've experienced as well. You know, you see kids that really becomes their world and the parents let them do that. The, the irony of it, by the way, is that I can remember a bunch of years ago when you start realizing that, you know, people could get either their car with built-in DVD players or yeah. they could, or they could get portable ones they bought and just put them over the back seat. And you started seeing a lots of kids right around staring at, you know, at a screen in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th and I, what's funny is I thought, boy, that's bad. You know, I can't believe how much kids are just, just, they're just watching that DVD. Yeah. I didn't know how bad it was going to get one because the phone is a whole new level. It's like, <laughs> there's so much it's other crazy. stuff going on. It's so many other things. And, and that part also has such an impact on, you know, my roots, which is in education because their attention spans are so short now um, because we're so used to giving them that automatic satisfaction with, watching something on the screen or playing some sort of game and all of those things are giving them that instant stimulation and that instant gratification. Um, and so gone are the days of sitting in the back seat and pointing at different color cars or I spy with my eye, you know, all that stuff is gone because they don't care about those games. You know, if I were to bring that up now, I'd be called lame. What are you talking about? That's lame. I don't want to spy with my eye, anything. <laughs> So you can have a whole cross-country trip and a kid never see all the beautiful things, you know, out of the window. It's, it's just crazy to me. It is crazy because you really can. And you literally can have uh, just a whole world where it's passing by their eyes and they have no clue that, you know, if they would have been looking out to the left, they would have seen all these cows or yeah, cool exactly. trees. And over here, they would have seen, you know, something else really cool. And that's it's kind of, in a lot of ways, it's very sad. You know, it's... It's funny, I used to make uh, break up the monotony of, uh, I'm somebody who, you know, I, I would sing to my kids when we do bath time and stuff like this when they're little. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and so I'd, I'd do the same thing in the car sometimes because some of the songs, very memorable. And as a result, my, my mid-20-year-olds all know the words to uh, Gilligan's Island and, oh, uh, <laughs> and all these old TV shows. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, uh, so I, I've learned that, uh, they can still break out in the song. We just did this this last weekend. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and so we, you know, it's just funny. So just, just to note all you listeners out there, you know, what we're saying is let them look out the windows or, you know, sing a song together, like sing Gilligan's a song, Island theme song. You know, just bring the family time back, man. It's missing. Yeah. 
It really is. really is. And I think it's cool that you're pointing that out in here, using your story to do that. Um, you know, early in the writ 212, you make this comment. This was another brilliant idea to get people to purchase items or get them hooked on the next device. All right. So go ahead and put this in a context with the book. So at that stage in the book, we're at the very beginning. And so this is the part of the book that will be in the prequel where you'll see this, this second world developed more. And for me, the second world is the world that we live in now, just kind of fast forwarded a bit. Um, and this character, Solomon, is actually walking the busy streets of his city. And he is just trying to simply make it to his destination. And as he is walking, um, his body, even though he's not one that has like a real de device on him, the sidewalks have been built to almost read what it is that you need. So if they see you walking down and maybe you have a hole in your shirt, the, the sidewalks were replaced with actual screen, computer screens, um, where they're connecting to you and they're actually trying to read what it is that you want or what you need. And so as he's walking down the street, they're connecting to him and they're talking to him in a way that they think will, uh, will intrigue him. So, you know, um, uh, how can we satisfy your desires is one of the lines that they say, um, and he tries to ignore them. And then they suggest that he needs a new jacket, a new coat, because they have uh, what he has on. And he's walking, um, anything that he needs, the sidewalk actually lights and, and creates a pathway to the store that he can go get these and you know whatever it is that he needs so that's one of the scenes um, in the second world and uh, kind of derived a little bit from where we are now where you accidentally look up something or you say something near your computer and it's automatically populating all of these uh, similar advertisements um, I can only imagine in the future how much more uh, integrated those systems will be. Um, and so just that, just making sure that the money's always coming out of your pocket, you know, so they're going to suggest what you may not even know that you need. <laughs> and that, that part of your book is scary because we are like you're talking about, we're, I think we're at that point where they could replace those, those sidewalks with those, the screens, especially like if they did it in like someplace, like we had complete control of the environment, like an airport or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's really scary because I, I was, I've been watching some or listening to some different podcasts that uh, where they were talking about, um, they, they were doing pros and cons of the technology that if you walk into a store and uh, it, it already knows what you bought before type of thing. And uh, um, so it might suggest, hey, do you need to buy some more shaving cream or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's scary that we're at that planet right now because this whole description, what you're going into, that would, first of all, that would be annoying. All right. <laughs> Sidewalk, go away. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because that's what the character does. He kind of jams his, you know, earbuds in his ear because he doesn't want to hear it. So he tries to tune everything out. Yes. And I don't, you know, I don't get why, because you've done a great job of introducing this. And I, because, and I love it that the fact that the character does try to ignore it. And, you know, and, and, uh, and it is something that the younger the kids are, that, you know, as they grow up around this, I can't imagine getting used to the fact that. Yeah, the store knows what I want when I walk in there. So, uh, and you know, it, there are some companies that are experimenting with uh, those individual stores that uh, yeah that, that don't use money. Instead, it's either transferred through your phone or through a, 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 another card or device or something like that. And yeah. uh, and it's a you know, 
Hey, Steve, how you doing today? Well, uh, yeah, it's crazy. And I'm, I can't even write fast enough. And here I think I have a great imagination, but they're beating me to everything. I, um, you know, right now, uh, this is going to probably be released while we're still mostly quarantined for the COVID pandemic. So many of us have been in the house, but I, of course, naturally started writing the prequel months ago. Um, and one of the things that I talk about there is almost like this, there's no exchange of physical dollars um, that you just walk in um, the prequel that goes in more of the second world. But uh, that same character, Solomon, we get to look at a little bit more into his life and he walks out of stores and there's sensors that know exactly what he had in his buggy. Well, the reason why I wrote that at the time was because what is the most irritating thing for most people is waiting in line, right? You're waiting in line to check out. Right. So you don't even have to wait in line anymore. You just walk out. It quickly scans everything and then it connects to your uh, account and deducts everything from your account. Um, so I, I was thinking that was genius at the time. And then I listened not too long ago and they're already talking about not touching keypads and making sure that things are cashless and that we're not exchanging money. I was like, oh man, I gotta hurry up. <laughs> no, you know, what you just need to do is is not only hurry up, but you need to to document that it was my idea. You guys just exactly, came up with exactly. <laughs> I need to I need to get it out there now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I came up way before you guys started talking about this. We're good. I like that. <laughs> but it's it is cool because you've really created this this good technology world that uh, shows the extent that um, is coming, and uh, I, I love it. So, you know, in one of the things that I want to make sure that uh, we talk about is, is this in, in the opening of chapter four, which is titled the end of the second world, uh, this statement is there. Each time one of the YSW opened a message, an immediate emotion was felt and instantly the YSW, which listeners stands for youth of the second world, became obsessed with the gratifying feeling that was released. Talk a little bit about this and what's about to happen as well as you know, how we kind of experience a little bit of that right now. Yeah, so this was the piece I had been waiting for. So I was like, okay, I know I want them to, uh, you know, something to happen to this group of people. But, and so all of a sudden, one day, this idea about a came to my mind. And so, you know, we're learning uh, not to really speak in with letters and sentences anymore, but we're sending emojis back and forth. And, and it's just simple and it's quick. And, you know, you put an emoji behind something and people go, oh, they, they were joking when they said this, right? So uh, before where we were, you know, sending messages and you were trying to get the interpretation behind the message, um, emojis have kind of helped guide that process. Well, uh, one of the characters in the book named Dietrich is uh, basically like a computer coding genius. Um, he is actually um, over the DEAD, the dead company. Um, and you'll, you guys will see that in the book. Um, but he is the genius behind designing this emoji uh, that actually connects. And so he created... Um, and, and mind you, by this time, the YSW, many of them aren't carrying around like tangible devices. They're actually connected. And the book talks about how they're connected and they're actually wired. So it's almost more, more like a surgical procedure so that they're getting instant information to their brain. And it's wired to the, to the brain. And, um, and it, it basically connects to the system that has all the emotions, uh, you know, so when, um, 
when you're receiving these emojis, you're actually experiencing that. And so the way that um, Dietrich in the book has designed it is there's a release, a small release of hormones that occurs as you send out emojis. And so uh, the YSW um, get a get to have a free sample. Don't we do that, right? You get yes. to give them the free sample. And so there's a free sample that is released and people start playing around with the emojis and, and they immediately feel the sensation of that emoji. And so the book talks a little bit about the serotonin that's released, if it's a happy feeling or a happy emotion. Um, uh, the, the pheromones that are released if you're sending an emoji that of love, any of those things. And then so they feel that. And so um, there's a, a level of um, euphoric feeling that is occurring with these. And then they are releasing uh, very uh, feelings or abundance of certain hormones um, to almost call the depressed state. And so that's kind of what happens um, in the book. With, with that particular sentence. Excellent. I appreciate you sharing that. And it's, and it's scary because we do have these, you know, the, the emojis we have today and the, the likes and the thumbs up and the, I don't care what, however they want to package it, you know, in some platforms you used to be able to do hearts and people would say, you know, yeah. come on, give me more hearts. I need more hearts. And, you know, and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, people are loving that until, you know, well, wait a second, I'm not getting enough hearts or I'm not getting... Yeah, you're not getting enough likes, you know. And, and at this time, the YSW pretty much lived for, the, for their likes and that, that feeling. And um, as superficial as it may be to some people, by the time our children grow up, they're in a like-based society. I mean, I had a, uh, a student come to my office uh, really, really upset because he had released a couple of TikTok videos and they had gotten a lot of likes according to him but the last one he released did not and he was upset because someone was picking on him about him not getting the amount of likes that the other videos got because he was lame and i said oh my gosh you've got to be kidding me it was really having that kind of impact on our kids that's rough because there is a you know it's coming back to our reality is that uh, you know that i think that's what they're discovering is that we we have the most connected world ever that's also you know lots of um down in the dumps uh yeah uh, the world i have no friends you know yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> that type of thing happening a lot so um so so just so interesting i you know one of the things Brittany, i want you to do is you describe your book as a sci-fi faith-based book could you explain that yeah so um in the second world you'll hear the name jaw right so they kind of talk about him and there's a line that said where Solomon and Dietrich kind of get into it a little bit and there's a happen because Dietrich created this app, but there's this reservation about releasing it. Um, he at this time is one of the wealthiest men in the world. He doesn't really understand why he needs more money. And he really, there he realizes there's some sort of glitch or something going on and he's nervous. He's extremely nervous to release it. And um, he wants Solomon to help him uh, pretty much stop the release of his own app. Uh, and you'll get a little bit more of that in, in the prequel, but you'll kind of get hints that um, he's almost kind of been, uh, his board members and all of his family, they've kind of taken over the business from him because they like the idea so much that they're pressing through with things and kind of getting things done without his permission. So Dietrich's really upset. And then Solomon responds by saying, 
um, when he says, uh, I need your help, you know, they, they get into this conversation. He says, you're not Jaw, you're not the creator. Well, you don't really get to see Jaw until that second world ends. And then you realize that there's this underlying hint that as much chaos as going on in the second world at the end of the second world, that Jaw was in control of this the entire time. And that he actually allowed the app to be the thing that wiped out all of the people. Very similar to if you read the Bible, the story of Noah, where you know um, everyone's wiped out by the flood. And so Jah then, um, very similar to the Bible, gives them the writ, which is their written word for how they're supposed to live in the new world. And as they're reading this, they have different things that they're supposed to do to honor Jah, the creator, for saving them. And so you'll see lots of meditation and prayer to Jah. Um, they're thankful to Jah for saving them. Very much like how we would say, oh, thank God for, you know, all the things that are going on in my life and all of those things. Jah is the, um, who is just uh, the spiritual being that's over everything. And uh, what the people, when, when they become part of the second world, they want to become so connected with Jah that they actually live a life that uh, is outside of the physical boundaries of the human body. So they want to be so spiritually connected to him that they are able to express themselves through the through light or energy um, because they're so connected. So that's a big part of the book. Um, the spiritual part is a big part of the book. And, and when you get into the third world, you'll see a lot of chapters will start with this fictional scripture from the writ, um, chapter 212 of the writ. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you. And, and, and it is, it's, it's really cool because you've, it's throughout the book and I, I know what you're talking about, about the areas, about the, the scripture that you've created and such. And it, it, it reads really well with the, what you, the details that you're creating around jaw and so forth. Yeah. So good stuff. The, uh, thank you. Uh, you, you know, late in the writ 212, actually chapter 36, one of your characters says, I just think maybe we shouldn't rule out the possibility of there being a new way, a better way. Could you talk about this in terms of your book, but maybe also in terms of our world too? Yeah, so um, by chapter 36, a lot has happened. And so... Sorry, well, yeah, I kind of... <laughs> fast forwarded. Yeah, I'm going to speed through it. You'll see in the book, you go through several generations of uh, people who have religious irony, and they have tried to follow the writ. Human beings, right? And so there's this... Old, uh, continual undertone of free will that you may know exactly what to do, but the gift from Jah, or like we, like if you read the Bible, the gift from God is free will. So a lot of them, even though they're getting specific vision as to what they're supposed to do and written word as to what they're supposed to do, some of them are not doing it. Well, that particular character that you talked about, um, he, like the back of the book said, he is the one that found the missing device. And in a world now he was one of the infants that was saved and his entire life has been surrounded by um, giving honor to jaw uh, making sure they live the right way and reading the writ and um, when he finds this device he his mind is opened up uh, like a pandora's box opened and he is asking it all kinds of questions and it's telling him all kinds of things 
and he's beginning to learn about the second world and he really cannot figure out what the problem was because it sounds amazing to him. And so trying to convince people um, that it is not the technology itself that was bad. It was the overuse of it. And I, he basically, he's saying, I have found a new way. And so what he's done is he's taken the rig and he's managed to try to combine it with some of the second world philosophy. And he's actually written a new book and, he's, and he wants to share it with people and tell them about this new way of living. Very cool. Thank you. Because that, that in and of itself, as you're coming to the end, there's all kinds of thing, new things that are happening that you learn about and the, the, the color um, changing and so forth. And, yes. uh, and, uh, um, and this new way is being talked about and it's, it's lots of stuff happening, which, by the way, is going to make the reader go, okay, I, when's the yeah. next one coming out? Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, it's a lot that happens. Um, you know, I try, you know, and, and one of my critiques actually was timeline because I had to kind of, yeah, I want you guys to know that they were little, but you know, and then they grew up, but you know, I give you a couple peeks in there, but I needed you guys to get to the part where some stuff was happening because they end up having a lot of stuff happen toward the end of those chapters. Which is really cool. That's a very, a lot happening and it keeps you focused on the, uh, it keeps you really sucked into the story. So good stuff. The, uh, so take a moment to share a little more of the story that would make a listener want to go get your book now and find out what happens. I think um, it plays to so many different things. I think if you have that uh, a little bit of conspiracy theory about what may happen in the, in the future, which I can't imagine right now living through this virus and all the stuff that's going on that you're not thinking to yourself, what in the world is happening um, that you would probably be a, a little amazed by some of the parallels that are going on. Um, I think if you have uh, any kind of spiritual uh, connection, um, that some of those components of the book will really resonate with you. Um, there are lots of people who, you know, realize that your physical body is temporary, but you have your spiritual being kind of inside of a physical body. And so I think that that will resonate with a lot of people. And then I anybody who's into more of that uh fantasy world because there are some very fantasy very um i guess like fantasy elements that occur in the third world where you start looking at their powers and all of the things that they're able to do um in the in the third world that that jaw has given them because basically they're new um they're they're not corrupted by all the the previous sin and all that so they really are tapping into some of those powers I think that that would really uh, resonate with you. And then toward the end, you know, you got some pretty awesome action. So, you know, as, as the village divides, I think you can see some of the action. Um, and I also think, you know, where men play to action, women may like a good, you know, love story. So there's some cute, you know, relationships and things in there. So I think it's a little something for everybody. And I think as it is fiction. People can relate to a lot of the characters in the book. Very cool. Very cool. One of the things I want to make sure that we do is because now what's neat is that you have this whole story and you have the writ two twelve and all that. Well, it also, you've made it connect to our, our real world, not just through possibilities of similarities or where we might be going with our world, but also because you've created the two twelve movement. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Well, I'm going to be very honest with you. The two twelve movement kind of got almost 
a complete halt as everybody began working basically solely from computers during the COVID-19 situation. Um, but the 212 movement is just one of those things where I want people just to take the time away from devices, disconnecting from devices to connect to their family. I use the number 212 as the, the time that you should remove yourself from devices. So two hours, 12 minutes of the day, you can disconnect from devices, you disconnect from social media, and you have uh, real conversations. You, you do something that um, kind of builds the relationship with real people as opposed to always uh, checking your Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Um, and so then I had people ask, well, what if, what if my 212, can I listen to music? <laughs> nice. And as long as you are with someone and you're having an engaging situation, but you're, and you're not hooked to a screen, I will allow, look, it's not my rules, seriously. <laughs> it is just kind of, you're two hours and 12 minutes away. Um, and so I think it's one of those things where I really want to push that for people. I think we, at this point, need to become very intentional with our time. Um, and the biggest part of the movement is just really is realizing that when you get behind those screens, your, your life is wasting away. And so while you're watching everyone else do silly TikTok videos, you started doing that at 730. The next thing you know, 930. And what productive thing have you done during that time? What have you done to benefit yourself, your mind, you know, all of those things. Um, when you add that up every day over a period of time and you realize how many hours are wasted and all of the great things that you could accomplish and, and just the relationships that could have been built. So just being more cognizant and aware of how you're spending your time. Very cool. And I, and I know you kind of feel like it sidetracked you, but at the same time now with us in this world of remote learning and all the computers being even more upfront and in your face with the learning part, it even makes it more necessary to have yeah. that release time because yeah. then if they go from doing the education part to immediately going to the playing part or the social media part or the, you know, whatever, I they mean, there's so on computer all day. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. around like, Oh, Hey, you know, it's yeah. a, so you so much, so much needed. I, I, I encourage people to follow yeah. that. I think that's a good, good idea. I had to, I had to reset because um, when we switched to digital learning um, for the school system, uh, one of my biggest pet peeves clearly is just being stuck behind a computer all day. But I was literally behind a computer from seven in the morning, sometimes to seven at night. Um, and what they don't know, what people may or may not know is, of course, there were no daycares open. There were, here's my son, and I'm just giving him five minute check-ins um in between me trying to get a lot of work done and i felt very neglectful i mean there was a lot of that came from that and so i really had to be intentional and i would just send emails to people and say i'm off uh i will be back you know at this time um to answer any more questions even if it was in the middle of the day um I, if i had been working all day long i need a break i can answer you in about an hour an hour and a half from now it'll be okay um, so I, I had to do that and, and put some things in per, to perspective because it was driving me crazy. I couldn't take it anymore. I can really only imagine because I know it I, in my own world. It's you, you start realizing how, how long did I sit at that computer today? Exactly. And because and I've the number of Zoom meetings I've had and it, 
and not discounting this one, but you know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, in my own world, um, you know, the number of now, the good thing is I got to tell you, I've talked with someone who's in the corporate world and he's actually had a couple seven hour meetings. I have to say, uh, I've not, I've not had yeah, a Zoom I'm not meeting. There either. <laughs> yeah, I'm not there. So I'm glad I'm not there. And whether it's, me too, me too. it's not that I'm complaining about Zoom because I'm not, I love it. But you know, whether it's Google meets Zoom or uh, um, any of the meetup stuff, you know, the different programs, it's like, uh, I can't imagine being seven hours because it's crazy. I know. I know. It's uh, ridiculous. And what's really crazy is they're all starting to kind of mesh together. I start going, okay, I know I had that meeting. Now, which one, when did that take place? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think all of us were in the weirdest time warp. I told someone um, during this time, it's like your day goes fast, but the week is slow. Like you've gone You've gone and you realize that eight hours are gone. Like you were only behind a computer and doing work and they're all the eight hours are gone, but it feels like one long day. Like there's no right. newness to any day. It feels like a repeat. It really does. It's like, uh, Oh good. Let me go sit down at the computer again. And yes. uh, <laughs> deja vu here. We got yeah. all over again. We got, uh, um, you know, the, the, what was that Groundhog movie? Oh, we're missing exactly Groundhog Day. Yes, <laughs> yes that's, what that's it. it. Like. <laughs> that's it. All, all we're missing is the Sunny and Cher song every day. So we're we're good. So, um, good stuff. So you know, um, Brittany, as as we're getting ready to close, where can someone connect with you and pick up a copy of the Writ Two Twelve? And could you give us a preview of the sequel prequel? happening? Yes. So um, the prequel I'm working on and I I plan on being uh, starting the finalizing the book and having it out before the end of this year. Um, The prequel is going to basically give you all of the stuff happened before the vanishing. And so for those people who don't know what I'm talking about, go out and get the book. Uh, You can get the book um, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I think it's Walmart. If you Google the RIT 212, it'll pop up. Uh, several online platforms, um, the hardback, uh, hardcover, paperback, and then we also have the ebook that is now out. Um, and so that might be new. The ebook might be new uh, since the last time I spoke with you. Um, and then uh, the sequel to this book will start with the mysterious gold one. So those people who haven't read the book, we finally get to figure out who the gold one is at the very end. And you're going to see lots of characters return because you'll find out what the gold one's powers are. And so any of those you got attached to, I'm pretty sure you will definitely see them again in the sequel, which will be really fun. Um, Very cool. And, and just a hint, the battle is not over. Um, so the prequel, the name of the prequel is um, The Warnings 212. And so... Um, 211 warnings were given to the people and on the 212th warning they were banished and then the the sequel is called the wrath 212 and so um, you'll get to see it's I'm sorry it's the wrath 2212 and so in the year 2212 you'll actually see um, another battle kind of ensue between some of these characters uh, who are trying to make their claim as to live in this world with technology or not. And so that will um, be available hopefully the following year. So 
you know, make sure I get them out there to everyone. Make sure you get them. You can also visit my website at www.authorbriddick.com. Um, and if you order through my website, it'll come, I'm able to can mail it to you. So if you uh, want to order there, the difference is you pay a little bit more for shipping. I think it's like $2.99 for shipping and handling. If you order through Amazon, of course, you get free shipping and handling. So it's, it's up to you, but I, I can sign the books when you order them on my website. Very cool. Awesome. And, and uh, the website's great too, by the way. So they, they can go there to the website and reach out to you that way? Yes, they can reach out to me on the website. And, and what I'm doing is I'm creating a little um, uh, fandom on my website. So you'll get to see how I pronounce the names. Um, you'll get to see the names of the characters and what they mean. Um, there's a map that's been designed of the village of Irni that is on there. So you can kind of see where all the villagers live. Um, there's, so there, I'm, I'm starting to develop that uh, so that way people can connect. I've also um, in in the process of creating a writ personality quiz, so you get to see what color you would glow. Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. Based on your uh, personality traits, so I'm hoping that that will be up and loaded by the end of the summer. Just something fun for people who read the book. That's that's cool. I like stuff like that. That's the author's ad that kind of bring you into more of the world. So yes, it's neat... yes. I've been I, there's several spinoffs. Even though I got the prequel and the sequel coming out soon, I've re several spinoffs have been requested also. So that's interesting. Cool. That um, is I interesting. will tell you. Yeah, in the back of the prequel right now, um, a lot of the writ, the actual writ itself, will be created. Nice. So, you know, you'll actually get to see some of the scriptures created in the back of that book. Excellent. I love it. Love it. Love it. Well, uh, Brittany, I can't thank you enough. I, I, I got two more questions that I want to ask before we close out. And it goes this way. The first one, if you had a chance to talk with someone who was wanting to write a book, what is one piece of advice you would want to give her? Um, the simplest piece of advice in the world is you have got to start. Do not let your mind tell you that, oh my God, this is going to be so overwhelming because it is, I'm not going to lie to you. It is one of the most overwhelming processes that you can take on. But for me, the end result, just seeing the book in hand was just so satisfying. Um, it, it, you know, it really put, you know, something that was an idea of thought into my hand. And so that also goes to mind you can think it you can see it you can have it um so don't let uh that overwhelming feeling um stop you um write it down get get it written out write out your ideas just kind of almost uh word vomit on some paper um and then go back and put it all in its right place and, and get some really good editors i would say um having an editor that goes through uh the the story development process with you and how to answer questions and ask you questions to kind of get your mind really learning how to connect the pieces is great. Um, um, I didn't necessarily, I think there were some typos in the book that I had in terms of like copy line editing um, because that was a process that kind of got sped up toward the end. We were trying to get it out before all kinds of crazy stuff happened. But I will shout out to Sarah Prescott. Um, she works with VMH Publishing. She was a beast. Um, every time I would send her some chapters, she really probed and she got my mind um, thinking and opening up in a different way. So just once you get it on paper, you know, work with someone who can really help you polish it. And so huge shout out to Sarah, Sarah Prescott. 
Awesome. Awesome. Um, very cool. So here's the last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Um, I've had a couple of teachers. Um, I think the, it's kind of hard because I moved all over the place. I'm not going to uh, lie to you. So um, I think they were really good at just giving me the opportunity to know that that's what I wanted to be. So Coach Moore, I had him in Mississippi when I lived there. I think he taught algebra when I was in the seventh grade, I want to say. Um, and he was awesome. I had Miss uh, Flanders. She's in um, Lowndes. I went, that was in Lowndes High School in Valdosta, Georgia. And she taught me history. And that was the first time I actually liked it. I never liked it before. Um, when she taught it to me, it read like a story. Nice. Um, and so I was like, this all makes sense now. It was awesome. And then I, I had Miss Neves, and she actually made my, me feel good because I was going through that awkward fifth grade year where, you know, I'm tall and lanky and weirdly shaped and all of those things. And, and she just was so comfortable and very, very sweet. And she was also in, uh, in Mississippi. Um, I'm trying to think of... Uh, any others. Uh, Miss Paisecki in Arizona, um, she let me do all kinds of cool stuff um, in her, I got to take care of like the snakes and the, and all the rabbits and all the, all the crazy stuff. I got to do that. And then Miss Joyner, when I lived in England, uh, she was my fourth grade teacher and she probably brought school to life more than any teacher I've ever experienced. Um, she was amazing. Everything was hands-on. And so that was, those were really great experiences. And I'm glad I remember at least what in that time. Um, but I also have to give a shout out to now in my job, just some of the outstanding leadership that I've had. Um, my current principal, Thomas Trippany, has just so amazing and supportive, even of this venture, um, just allowing me to use the platform and get the kids at my school excited about it. Um, Susan Patrick was someone I worked with in Clayton County. And she just kind of taught discipline and the value of, you know, really connecting, but looking at the numbers. And then Marshall Hunt let me be free. And so I got to really uh, expand my leadership wings, um, probably with him. And, uh, and Misha Green, she was one of the first principals that allowed me to expand my leadership. Uh, so I've been very excited about working with all of them. Very cool. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Cause it's, it's so cool when uh, someone can share uh, you know, the people who have made a difference in their lives. And, uh, and uh, that's, that's awesome because it's, that's nice, uh, uh, nice to be able to share that out there and do a shout out to them. So good stuff. And by the way, yeah. you really did move around. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. I'm probably missing a couple of places. You know, it was awesome. Awesome. And, and if you don't mind, I want to give one more. <laughs> Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Always good. Um, Kay Sledge was the first principal that hired me as a teacher. So I definitely nice. have to shout out to her. She, she had faith in me, and, and I'm so happy to be in this, in this realm of education. Very cool, and, and I'm glad you were able to add her. So awesome, and uh, Brittany, thank you so much for sharing your book, The Writ 212. I love the concept of the 212 movement and your story. Looking forward to the rest of the trilogy, and uh, keep on writing, and thanks for being will willing to talk about the dangers of too much technology in the lives of our, of our children. Wishing you the best in all that you do. All right, thank you so much. It's so much fun. I appreciate it. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators.
opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends. Thank you.